What up? It's Open Mike Eagle. This is another episode of the Secret Skin Podcast. I'm starting to think instead of just stopping it all together, I'm going to change it into something. I think that's maybe what I'll do. I've been informed that I... <laughs> I'm a little more obligated to keep doing this than I than I thought I was. And um, it's not that I don't like it. Um, it's just that uh, I have a very full plate and... Um, a lot of the production and wrangling that has to go on to get this particular podcast done. It's actually, it's it's weirdly, it's more work than what it happened was because it's finding a new guest or a new subject or um, a new new topic all the time. Whereas in what had happened was you just got one guest and, and they're always there. <laughs> and it's just, you know, listening to an album, coming up with questions. Um, the open-ended nature of this show uh, means it's a little bit more work maybe more than i'm willing to do but actually you know anyway i have some ideas of how i might change it but that's a little too inside baseball for ideas that aren't cooked yet this is secret skin right now you're tuned in and right now this episode is a conversation with my brother rap ferrera formerly known as milo also known as pro billikin also known as scallops hotel the captain of the ruby yacht speaking with him on this episode he's dropping a new very beautiful album november 4th called five to the eye with stars so we talk about that we unpack some of the songs a little bit and we also catch up as human beings and and unpack our life and lives and history some as well um this is secret skin this is part of the stony island audio network with dad by rap pod and the questions hip-hop trivia show and the fatherhoods podcast and creativity and captivity and many many more super duty tough work shout out to blueprint shout out to illogic this is your home for creative hip-hop centric podcasts if you like those if you like this make sure you check out those other shows with brilliant hosts having brilliant conversations, unpacking hip-hop and the stuff around it. My album just came out, Component System with the Auto Reverse. Check it out if you haven't. If you have, let me know how you feel about it. I'm at Mike underscore Eagle on the Twitter box. And at different combinations of Open Mike and Eagle on other platforms. Let me know what you think. Tour starting this week. Me and Video Dave, we're going to be doing the Midwest with Dessa starting this Thursday. Well, we leave Thursday. The show starts Friday. We'll be in Minneapolis, Des Moines, uh, Madison, Chicago. I think I'm forgetting something in there. Um, but then we have uh, later on in the year, starting in uh, in November, we start with la and santa Ana. then we go to the east coast we hit boston new york dc and philly we're in texas at houston austin and dallas in the northwest of seattle and portland and in the bay area san francisco and potentially adding more dates so stay on the lookout at my website mikeeagle.net or any of those other places where i told you just a moment ago that you could find me this is my conversation with my brother rap ferrera about five to the hour stars are very I don't even know how to say it. I mean like it, it gets really interesting for me as a host when I talk to people who I have a deep deep personal relationship with 
because uh, I know these people so well, we have a lot of shorthand. Um, and I realized, listening back, there's some stuff I might have needed him to unpack for people who aren't familiar with our 15, 20 years worth of history. But uh, I think y'all will catch up. I'm open Mike Eagle. This is my conversation with Rap Forever. This is Secret Skin. Rate us and review us on things. If you if you rate it and review it enough, maybe that'll give me the energy to keep doing it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, sir? Peace, brother. Oh, man. Um, you know, we had a technical difficulty and a half on the way into the session. And um, you said, um, Indie Rap prepares you for this kind of thing as we were doing our own tech support right here on the line. And boy, that touches on something I be thinking about a lot. I was in a uh, Twitter space. Somebody was hosting. They were talking about NFTs and Web 3.0 and all of the advantages therein. And the people in there were all indie rappers and they were all very knowledgeable. And I was sitting there listening to them share their wisdom about these new platforms. And I was like, damn, we got to know how to do everything. We got to know how to, how to, how to fix computers, <laughs> fix microphones. Uh, you know, we got to know how Web 3.0 work. We got to be marketing experts. Nigga, you better know how to resolder the potentiometer on the motherfucking 404. You better know. If you about this beat shit, <laughs> you better click this YouTube tutorial, figure it out. YouTube University is big. And I, and I imagine that's the same for most independent creators. But one thing I wonder about is like all of the rest of these skills taking up space in our minds. like. Is there ever a thought that maybe the art doesn't get as much room, you know, as we would like it? Because we have to wear so many hats. I think that for me, I've been very conscious of that. And that's why I kind of define success for me as what allows me to get back to the thing I wanted to do the most, which is rapping. So if I can spend most of my day rapping, I'm very successful. When I have to spend my day doing all the other shit that enables me to rap. I'd be like, <laughs> I just hire my homies. I hire people close to me. But every time I hire one of my homies to do something, and like they make, again, a very good wage, and that shit makes me feel good for two reasons. One, the homie getting paid, but two, one less job for me. And I just like, I do my dance, you know? Because now I got more time to write those raps again. Yeah, I think about that a lot, dude. Another thing I've been thinking about that you just kind of touched on is um, how each of us at some point become little small economies. Oh, nigga. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, you, you spitting now. It's crazy, man. I be going over my finances sometimes, and I'm like, dang, I paid X person how much last year? <laughs> yep. But it's real because, you know, for me to do the thing, um, I have to have people help me with services and half of the stuff I either don't want to do or don't want to learn how to do. 
and it's the cost of doing business, man. It's just so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't get get a peek into. I don't want them to. You don't want them to. That's interesting. I love the secret shit we do. To me, that's the like, how do you do it? What's the secret? And it's like, I'll never tell you. You wouldn't want to know because it's mundane. It's right in front of you. The secret, teach yourself how to screen print. Like the secret, you know what I mean? Like the secret, learn how to solder the potentiometer on the 404 yourself. Like that's the secret. Like become a superhero. For you, what's the benefit in people not seeing that? Because to me, it distracts from the thing that we all love, which is just the rapping or the art or whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't need the kudos for the other shit. That's just like, to me, that's what makes it a job. That's why it's not, I don't live in la-la land. Like a lot of people think like, oh, your life. It's like, no, it's like you. My job's got great parts when I'm on stage doing my thing. Oh, yeah, I'm flying high, dog. Now when I'm filing my own taxes, trying to figure out all this shit, you know what I mean? I'm in the dumps. I'm like, why did I do this? Like, you know, and that's what that's what this is. And so I I take I greedily take the good parts. So I try to greedily take the shitty parts too, because it's like, ah, you know, I don't I shouldn't be out here whining about that shit. That's just how I feel. And I mean, I'm young still, you know, I'm capable, so whatever. I'm sure I won't always feel that way. I mean, you know, for me, it's not so much about kudos. Sometimes I feel like my world, my life would be easier if people had a better understanding of what it takes to bring them whatever they have from me. You know, whether that's a podcast, whether that's music, uh, whatever it is. Like sometimes it feels like if they have an understanding of maybe the difference between what it takes for me to get something in front of them versus what it takes for... uh other people in the marketplace to get like that to me that that difference seems it always seems like I'm trying to figure out a way to say that to explain that to people because to me like that's what that's like the thing that I feels like makes my peer group my peer group it's not really necessarily stylistic or aesthetic it, it's the magic it's the craft no it's the magic dog right I love that I met you and I and we've talked about this on this podcast many, many moons ago. You were quite young on the internet and I was, I hadn't even really even started, started yet. Like, you know, I was just really having my first few experiences rapping in front of a microphone and making songs and all of that. And we're grateful for them, bro. We love those songs. We love those songs, bro. Y'all love them more than I do, that's for sure. Hey man, um, I got shit like that. I know how it go. Yeah, I'm but... gonna get to that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, um. So, you know, I met you then, but then I met you, met you, you know, uh, around 2011. It was either 2011 or 2013. One of those 2011, two 2011, I met okay. you when I came to your show. That, okay, so that was 2011. Yeah, just on the civilian shit. Just like, in fact, I had to sneak into that show. I was underage by a lot. <laughs> <sighs> Man, so much has happened in your world since then. Like, that's 2011, but it feels like 25 years ago. In both our worlds, yeah. bro. We we done done this shit. I was thinking about this today. I was driving to get some coffee, and I was like, "Man, my boy Mike and me, dog. We like, we lifted firmament, nigga. We lifted firmament. It used to be a great, great day when we would get a hotel on tour. Like you and me had those types of experiences where it was like every day we're assuming and hoping we can get the floor at someone's crib." 
Right. We would go to the show not even knowing. Right. Just like, hope somebody like, cool. Hope somebody let us sleep hope, there. Right. Again, a hotel was like right. every three, four days we'd get one split. You know what I mean? It would be like, we got a show. Like, internet. Like, you know, stuff that now it's like, damn, like, you're a real journeyman just trying to break in, like, just doing the shit. How would you say you've changed as a person since from then till now? 2011, 2022. Oh, I would say that... Um, I would say that I, I have, I've, I stayed the course and that's how I've changed. I stayed the course. I didn't deviate from the original plan. I did try to it several times, but life wouldn't let me. And now I'm, I'm back on the path just of my own choosing. Just like, yeah, this is where I want to be actually. But yeah, I would say that the difference is, is I'm where I hoped I would be. You know, that's the difference. And I have, I'm a walking testament to that now. And that, that just kind of ripples through me and off me. And it's like, hey, you know that crazy idea ain't so crazy, dog. You should go for it. I don't know. I feel like I take my ideas way more seriously. You know, especially the silly ones. The ones that I have playing with my kids on the couch or whatever, you know. I'm like, oh, that's so funny or something, you know. And, those be great ideas that turn out to be very good for my life or whatever as an artist. And yeah, I, I'm significantly more open to uh, signs and symbols. What is it that makes you take those ideas so much more seriously now than you might have in the past? Because I had been groomed by public education in America to believe that uh, good ideas had to be represented a certain way and by certain parties that corresponded to certain, perhaps economic things or whatever. And now I know that good ideas are just good ideas. And I know that we're all playing the game and that the only way you get disqualified is when you disqualify yourself. And I know anything can happen. And even earlier what you were saying about what unites all of us isn't so much style or genre, but again, just like we're the people who chose to make it happen. <laughs> because it had to happen. And, and you have to keep making that choice every day. Every single day. And when you do that long enough, I don't know, it's like being a perpetual motion machine. Like, it's just like, hey dog, I know how to keep this shit funky. You also said that you've stayed the course despite a couple of attempts to not stay the course. What's an example of one of those attempts? Just on some like rapper shit, just speaking like rappers and homies and brothers who've known each other and like that type of shit, you know, just like I've never signed a contract for no music shit ever in my life. And I've never signed a contract. Well, that's a lie. I've signed a couple, but not with any corporations and not with any non-colored people, <laughs> you know, and just for real, just keeping like that. I've never signed the mystery white people contract. I've never even been in those rooms. And the few times I tried, I got rebuked pretty, like, to the point where I was like, oh, y'all just ain't never gonna fuck with me. Like, like, cause for a while I had the naivete where people would be like, if the numbers and da da da, and it's like, nigga, I'll be killing the numbers. <laughs> so, you know, I'm like, if it's the numbers, why are you gonna fucking with me? And it's cause I'm just weird and my shit is weird. And that's maybe even why I'm able to do what I do and who cares? And yeah, so. I don't know. You said an example? That was a pretty good example. I mean, if there was something else you wanted to share, I'd certainly take it. But I, I think that helped me understand what you were saying in terms of staying the course, you know? 
Yeah, you know, just stay in the course. Just, you know, I own everything. I own not just part of it, all of it. I own everything, the music, the mechanism that you hear the music with, to every part of it, dog. Like, it's all mine. And that's like, again, you hear you hear the dudes on the Instagram clip, what's, what's ownership if your shit ain't got no value? So, okay, c- congratulations. You own something that don't have no value. But I just don't accept that argument. And again, there's definitely times you can get swayed off that. And that's what I mean, where you're tempted into being like, if I sold part of myself, I could get a lot of money. And but that shit didn't work for me. I mean, it, you don't have to accept that argument in, in any way because you are able to demonstrate what your ownership gives you in terms of value, in terms of revenue, in terms of whatever metrics anybody would want to look at. Like, you know, you've you've grown a business in a way that people haven't done. I don't know how to do it without being insane. It's something I've realized, though. I have no professionalism whatsoever. I'm incapable of it at this point. And like with growing my business and even how I talk about it and form it, I can tell I'm like deranged about certain things, you know, um, from being so in this shit. Well, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you from from my position, I've signed some of my ownership away in the past and I've had to really uh, come to terms sometimes with what that's meant. You know, I have I have albums in my catalog that I don't own and I'll and I'll never own unless unless something changes. You know what I'm saying? Because that's not what I signed. I didn't have to do it that way. But I, you know, came to that fork in the road and decided that that I was going to see what that looked like. And I've also like when, you know, I've been in that room, not necessarily with music, but I've been in that room with Comedy Central and Viacom and and, and was really shown the difference in how that world views somebody like me, you know what I'm saying? Versus how I see myself. And, 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 you know, and, and, but I, and I signed that paper cause I wanted to do that thing. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I've had to do things where I had to keep my own deranged inclinations quiet while I sat in the room and watched what was happening, even if my heart was being stamped on, I couldn't necessarily, well, I told myself I couldn't necessarily let that out. And I took that home. And and some of those wounds, I've still been nursing, to be honest. But just in terms of- uh, Retired from rap, then I changed exactly. my Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And- and Hey, bro, I'll be bumping all your- <laughs> Likewise, brother. Don't get it twisted, nigga. Likewise. Don't get it twisted. But um, I just wanted to say that you know, in that professional versus, let's say that's the spectrum, professional and deranged. Like, I'm really good at playing the professional. I'm really good at that. But I've learned that, like, I every now and then, I have to turn that valve to let the deranged out. Like, and, and, and it's like the people who work with me, they really know that now. Like, every now and then, I'm going to send you some words in a way that that's not going, it's not going to line up with how you see me, maybe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, like... It's it's the emotion of this life that's got to go somewhere. Like it's it's got to reside somewhere, you know. And I've learned that like if I send one emotional email a week, I think we can all work with that. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Right. No, I totally get it. To me, it's like I joke around with different language and shit, but I'd be like, that's that owner operator shit, man. Like you the owner operator. That's just it's a lot on one person. And uh yeah, dog, wow, that's you know, not funny, but it makes me feel good to know. <laughs>
everyone goes through this. I was going to say, though, part of me feels that that is the artist's license, and that is something that, especially for artists like us, maybe we're the first ones who can kind of indulge that to this degree. And so I try not to beat myself up about it. I'm like, hey, man, I'm an artist. I am just some guy who just dropped out of school one day and dedicated his life to making words rhyme. Why would you think I'm normal? Why would you think I'd be capable of doing any of this professionally? <laughs> like, homie, I, I left society <laughs> over a decade ago now. Like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck is the haps in the normal decorum for any of this shit. And so sometimes, yeah, when I feel uncomfortable, honestly, I'll lean into it. I'm just like, yeah, dude, I'm a myth. I'm a fucking weird dude. That's so it's so interesting you say that. I was watching that uh George Carlin documentary that came out earlier this year and um somebody in it, one of the talking heads, was talking about how when Sam Kennison came out, that made George Carlin very uncomfortable because his act had been very safe until that point. And here's this big huge comic that comes along like screaming and hollering, but but in a smart way, like like pointing at the absurdity of life, but doing it through like sometimes screaming at the top of his lungs. And this talking head said that Sam Kennison made George Carlin uncomfortable, but the guy said, like, he said, like any artist, you have to lean into what makes you uncomfortable. And like, that shit hit me like a ton of bricks, G, because I'd be running away from shit that makes me uncomfortable all the time. I'd be into it nowadays, because again, it's just like, that's my myth, man. I just cloak myself in the myth. I'm just like, yeah, that was probably me, dude. That's that's wild. I'm not so familiar with Sam Kennison. He's a he was a uh, kind of overweight guy. He used to wear like a big coat on stage. He had long hair under a beret, and he'd be smoking cigarettes sometimes. Like, I bet if you saw him, you might you might recognize him. But definitely before your time, he probably he might have died before you was born. Shit. Historical question for you. It's been talked about many times in many ways, but. Uh, I haven't really tapped in on it with you in a while. And it always seems to loom large, um, at least in spaces I'm paying attention to. But I, I'm curious, just as an open-ended question, like, wh what do you think of Hellfire Club now? Like, what do you think of that? I'm proud of it. Again, just not having any training for this rap shit. There's no manual. There's no real guides. I mean... You've been a great guide to me to the best of your ability, G. And like, I obviously, especially early days, man, like really helping me. But you know, ultimately everybody makes their own decisions as artists and professionals in this game. And uh, with Hellfire, yeah, I'm mostly just proud of it. That this like self-organizing, determined group of people did their thing how they did it. I wish, um, I wish life didn't have to beat on all of us how it did. I wish that we could have had some insulation from simple realities that people who, you know, that normal people have. Uh, because I feel like ultimately that's the stuff that kind of undid that, that group. But ultimately, yeah, I feel proud of it. Um, and it also seems like kind of a demarcation in time. Like that... That thing, black hippie, all that type of stuff, all kind of faded at the same time. And that doesn't even really occur anymore. And it's sort of interesting that, you know, so it's maybe it's like maybe it wasn't even nobody's fault. Maybe that just that kind of went out of style, that idea. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, like Brockhampton might have been like the last, you know. Yeah, there you go. There you go. The there last go. collective. Although I don't know, I'd have never really listened to Brockhampton and so I don't know. But I just felt like we were some rhyming ass fools. Well, yeah, I just mean the idea of the artists that come together to make the collective and and they all wave the flag of the collective for some portion of time, you know, like really I think all of us for that moment in time put our name to the side for a second to wave the flag for this thing. And like, you know, that was the power. That was the potential. And I really felt when you said wish right now, cause like, yeah, there's just plenty of ways that that could have went. There's just a lot about it I miss. Yeah, dog, especially now that, yeah, that I'm an MC for, you know, this is like the time and the stuff that we just had is commonplace. Like our, our little thread sharing shits and themes and ideas would be bouncing so much. And now I'd be like, damn, I don't have nothing like that. No little like pot to check in on us. Just like always shit going off. And the ideas were all spectacular. So it was never a problem of like, I don't want to do this. And it's like, how are we going to do them all? Like, this shit is crazy. Like, we are all like mad scientists and we had access to the greatest beats in the world and the coolest place to perform in the world. I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah, what could be better, dog? For our type of art and, you know, artistry and shit. And again, to get cracking, really, like, those were my first proper shows. And that was so cool, man, to, to come up in that type of group and, it made rap feel very organized in a way that now I know it really isn't. It's more, way more just like roving bands of bandits out there. But that shit was like, yo, we was a respected band of bandits. Like, we, yo, and that, that had such an ill feeling of like, yo, if you were a rapper, you were coming to see our shit. Like when, hell, when the whole club was on tour, that shit was like, oh, you wasn't gonna miss it. When Purple Moonlight Pages came out, which is, you know, an incredible work of yours among many. Renaissance Festival Garb, Natty Dread Elder Barge, might pull your elder's card. Nigga rap like Frylock Sun, floating over a rug of Hydrox crumbs. I might be on one, icy hot numb, may eyes lock thumbs. This my wedding shotgun, drums like stampeding oxen. But I feel like I remember you re reading something you wrote about it or were saying about it. And I think it was in the context of like how you felt like it should be regarded. But you were saying it like, like you you made it with the eye, like consciously for like people to enjoy it. It was something that you said that was like that. I don't I don't remember the exact quote, but do you remember saying something like that? Definitely. And I don't remember my exact words either, but it's like I know the records that feed that itch for people, for my audience. I know, like, I know what they want to hear. And sometimes I want to hear that too. And that's where that lined up, you know? And other times it doesn't always line up or whatever. I might not have taken that as you speaking about your fans. I might've taken it as just like people, you know what I'm saying? And it just, it's, it's the sort of thing I think about because so much of what we do was having to step outside of what we do and then figure out what levers to pull if we want to or don't want to, to, to finish the thing. And so, like, the idea of making an album, like, because I'm, I'm experiencing that right now a little bit, right? Like, I just put out my shit and, like, I'll say, this is the thing I can say very specifically. In almost every one of my albums, there's at least one song where, like, I am conscious that a lot of people aren't going to like this song. 
but I like this song, so I'm putting it on here. Like, there was always at least one of those on every one of my albums. And this one, there isn't one of those, you know? Like, there, there isn't one where I was ever like, oh, this one's just for me. This is important. I'm putting it on here. Bro, the voice you have on uh, the year didn't happen. The vocal delivery on that, you're so like, oh, I'm going to study that song, bro. Brother, I was legit, you know, that was legit written, you know, peak pandemic. That was the first song I wrote after shit really shut down, like, and it was shut down for a while. Yeah, And like, that was one of them songs where, like, that's the demo recording. And like, and it was all recorded in one take. Sounds so dope. And, and oh, I, I, it sounds so I dope. I agree. And I think that the reason it feels that way is because for me, like, I was having a very real emotional experience while I was recording this thing. Like, some of them ad libs, some of that cussing and shit I'm doing in between, like, that's just real raw emotion. This is all towards the point of us having to, like, Part of the success for us is is being able to step outside of what we did and seeing like, is this a thing for people or is this a thing for me or or what the balance is between them two? Um, so I, I'm curious about your idea of like what makes something enjoyable, like like for people, your idea, or like what what is it that makes something more enjoyable? And and this is also in the context of like you've you've let me hear. Your new shit. What's the title of the album? Five to the Eye with Star. This shit is really amazing. Like, sure. Like, it's it's Yeah, Kev had a theory on it. He was like, gotta be nine, it gotta be da da da. I was like, all right, let's go in. Yeah, he was applying the science on it. So I was like, let's go. Yeah. I love it. And and it's this album is very enjoyable. And that's what made me think about that moonlight quote. Like, what categories or what things do you pay attention to in terms of deciding something? is enjoyable or not in your own work. I love a type of rap music that most people do not find enjoyable. Oh my God, can you tell me more about that? I think I know what you mean, but like I would love to hear you like speak that out more. Yeah, I love a type of rap that is very dense and makes you think as fast as it makes you move your body and like connect to it physically, whether that's the head nod, the foot tap, getting up, dancing, whatever. But there is that physical as well as like the mind racing, like the, I have to keep up with every word. That feeling, oh, it takes my breath away. I love that type of music. And I have realized most people don't. And that's cool. And so most of the time I, I make the music I love. And even when I'm not doing that, it's still the music I love. But it's just venturing off of that particular style of rap that is, uh, I don't know, it just is a lot for some people to, most people to digest. And I'm not saying that it's like harder or better or special in any other way than it's just a taste. It's just some people like wasabi, some don't. Some people like Worcestershire, some don't. Some people like this kind of rap, some don't. And so, there's times where I'm, all, well, all the time, I'm trying to like fiddle around with that kind of rapping and see if I can make, like, can I make it? Oh, you like it? Can I, I make it? I love like, that. You know? And so, like, I'm always like fiddling. And so, 
there's times where I know, like, I have certain formulas. What's good? We always update our formulas. <laughs> like, there's certain times where I'm like, all right, I know these formulas. They go off. And I can, I could just live off those, but I'm an artist, so I have to always be researching, experimenting, yeah, finding the new. And then I realized there's times where people are like, damn, we way out here with this nigga, like, what the fuck? And then you got to drop a purple moonlight on him and be like, what's up, dog? It's, it's you know, me. <laughs> shit, right? Like, I got that shit. And so with this joint, it was kind of um, like, yeah, what if I took, you know, the formula, you know, and, and kind of stepped it up and worked with... Yeah, someone like Kev and really kind of went into the process, you know, recorded at the zoo and worked with all the producers and uh, Cats Who BS Scenario and whatnot, you know, and just kind of like tapped in on the sound that was already present and applied, you know, the modern vocal stylings I'm capable of. You just mentioned Kev says Daddy Kev. Uh, shout out to Daddy Kev. You mentioned the zoo, which is Cosmic Zoo, his studio. You mentioned Scenario, his his uh, weekly event here in L.A. You know, you, you you slid me the album as just a link, and so I just been digging the music, but I don't know who who's involved in it. So, and I, I it sounds like you know, sounds like the Usual Suspects, Kenny Siegel, Jefferson Park boys, like Kenny Siegel's on it. Kenny Siegel's on it. Uh, D Styles on it. Kev's on it. Basico, Zoki, um, Joe, Nora, uh, who else we got on there? Rose Noir, um, Wiley Cable, Fritham. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of heaters on there. Um, and these are a lot of cats. My first time working with them or hearing them and just going off of what moved me. Brother, you know, that's so surprising because this album feels like it's another step along the journey that Purple Moonlight Pages was on. It feels, you know, it feels very like in that same. Kenny did one song, and that's it. Wow. That's the only cat I that's worked with wild. before everyone else is new. Were these producers trying to build sounds for you? Some, yeah, like definitely Kev and obviously Kenny. Um, and those songs kind of set an early pace with like where I wanted to take shit. And then some were just like heard later on, and it was like, oh wow, this is this beautiful joint. Like the um, song Constellation, that was like the last one I wrote in LA, and that was like the day before I left. And it was like, we need one more, we need something. And it was like, oh, this beat is crazy. And I just sat outside in the whip and just wrote this jam. And I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Recorded it up, and it was like, yeah. Bop, slid it right in. So some were, you know, sculpted and some were just perfect on their own. Jumping back to the past, another open-ended question. Um, How do you feel listening to your old work now, like your first couple things? I think I started rapping when Ruby started. That's where I would consider my start beginning. Yeah, before that was all like me being very... Because I'm a, a child of the internet, you could see my development. Like, if it was an earlier time period, you would not have heard those recordings or whatever. You know what I mean? It would have been like the lost demos and shit. <laughs> like, like all that type. It would, never would have made it to the public ever. All the, None of that shit. And I feel that about all of it. Toothpaste Suburbs, Day and Night, all of them, like, they're cool. But that was like, ah, they're just, just finding shit out. I would say when I started Ruby Out, Plain Speaking, Scallops Hotel, that that record 
was really where I was like, all right, I'm starting to get an idea of who I am as a, a rapper, a beat maker. Like I'm, I'm learning how to sequence albums. I'm learning how I like my art to look. Everything I've been, you know, kind of taught how shit goes. So now I've got an idea of how I want my shit to go. And then by, you know, a couple months after plain speaking, we do so the flies don't come, and we had figured shit out. So it's like you've arrived. Right, yeah. Yo, right, like second record on the on the label, and we doing good. It was like, yeah, cool. We know our shit. Yeah. On them abs where they might ask you, they might ask you, they might ask you what, what you in rich folks' homes, drinks come with coasters. My first rap song was to lament Sammy Sosa. I cast Wingardium Leviosa and peel past the past in the poop cloud. So this is another one of them questions where I'm ask I'm asking you a question that uh, would take a long time to answer, really, but I'm asking for a quick version of it. Tell me the two quick story of Rubiat. That Rubiat started after um, I departed Hellfire Club. Um, I started Rubiat up. Really at Kev's kind of suggestion, he was like, you could just do your own Hellfire Club. Like, you're you're dope. Again, I didn't take my idea seriously at that time of my life, you know, something like that. I had to have, thankfully, a big homie say that shit to me. Where nowadays I'd be like, man, I could start my own shit or whatever, you know what I mean? And um, yeah, so I was like, okay, well, wow, what would I do with that? So I... I named it after my granny, like any self-respecting rapper. Would. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, my grandma Ruby. Um, and, you know, she loved music and loved me, and just that was the place to be in my life. And I knew the Rubaiyat of Omar Khayyam. I kind of getting into, like, little weird, esoteric, mystical readings and shit. I'm going to weird bookstores in L.A. <laughs> and shit, you know. So I was like, oh, I could do this ill play on words, like, because... You know, my grandma, she would go to Jamaica and shit, and like Ruby's yacht, and like Ruby's yacht, and I was like, oh, this shit's hard. And so I was like, Ruby yacht. Um, and yeah, that's just been my shit ever since. So I started it in LA, and then I moved back to Milwaukee and churned out um, a few albums from there, set up shop in Maine, did the, the record store. Now I'm down in Nashville, and that's the story of it. I put out everything uh, that I've made since plain speaking has been through Rubia, not a single release hasn't been. So that's that's the label story of it. I'm also interested in the collective story of it because there's other artists involved in it, like that may or may not put out albums on a label, right? Yeah, yeah. There's other artists involved in it, and there's been like we've been around now long enough where there's people who ain't in it no more and you know what I mean like it's like that shit too hellfire shit. <laughs> you know there's younger artists in it too and you know because you seem to be in tune with a with a community of of growing artists that seem attracted to to the family there I don't know everybody involved in it but I would love it if you would spotlight somebody that you feel like does, doesn't get a lot of shine that maybe should that's, that's in Rubiot okay um I mean, if you want, if you want to shout them all, please do. I just don't know if that's twenty people or six or like. No, 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 no. You know, it's uh my dog Eldon Summers, Kayla Sheree, Randall Bravery, um, Vast Ness, Kenny Siegel, uh, obviously myself, Nizem. Who else we got? I I say Randall Bravery, S.B. Moore, um, Pink Navy. You know, all, all of that. Um, Blacks. 
AJ Sway, shit, elusive sometimes. You know, it's all types of shit. You and Ruby, yeah, I nigga, work. Good. About, right? <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Get like, excited about Hemlock myself. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, like. Shout out on, to Hemlock bro. for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Hemi, um, yeah, yeah. I asked you about your old work. You said um, a lot of that stuff, like if this was a different time, people maybe wouldn't have heard. I do wonder just specifically, I'm thinking about the song, the post hop, like the song that like first was, you know, kind of your launch. Post hop, ergopropter hawking, I'm a robot, can't can't stay on top and it goes post hop, ergopropter hawking, I'm a robot, can't can't stay on top and it goes post Taking into context that you have said what you said about the early stuff. I do wonder just specifically, what what are your feelings about that song? I think that's a great song. And I think I was learning different stuff about my voice and what it could do and rap styles I could access. And that was a huge benchmark learning moment for me as an artist. And that was one of the formulas. That was maybe one of my first ones where I was like, okay, boop, in my shit. Like anytime I can tap in on the post hoc flow. Nigga. I love that. And I love that song. You mentioned Scallops Hotel a while ago, which is a beat making and rapping alias all its own. You have another alias for when you play blues. What is what is that alias? Crow Billigan. I need a new I'm assuming this answer is going to be a lot, but I want to, you know, just just hear from you. What do you get out of the blues? Time travel. Time travel. I get time travel, and I get very, like, dangerously powerful um, spirit levels. Just, like, crazy messages come out of playing the blues. It really can, like, overwhelm you in the way that rap... Rapping is great. Rap does a bunch of other shit, but it doesn't do this other thing that blues playing does. And playing like the old shit, the crazy, just like what they call pre-war. But you know, like before electricity and these sounds and just how the physical vibrating strings make you feel. It's, it's very like, and that magic again of keeping that and just being like, I have that in my body. Like in my body, you know, when you start off rapping, it's all about the like, what gear do you have? What's your sampler? What's your microphone? What's your, you know, what I use this program and this sample and this filter and all that type of shit. And with the blues, it's like, what's in you though? Okay. You know, okay. and like that shit yeah. is so like, kind of like scary after getting so good at rapping. It's like, there's nowhere to hide. You know, like you playing the blues, it's like, so there's nowhere I can hide. Like, nah. Like, it's all going to fucking hang out or you're not going to play that shit. And it's it's like, ooh. And so, yeah, I, I chase that thrill now. And even playing it before the rap shows, it's like, oh, man, this is so fucking like, oh. And then feeling crazy playing it, though. And just like, yeah. And then I'm in the zone and I want to rap and I want to do something that I'm, I'm hella good at and comfortable. And, you know, it's like, whew. Because, yeah, the blue shit, well, now it's different because I, I just did this tour with it, so I'm kind of comfy with that and achieving different levels with that now because I'm not trying to hide. When them shows I did with the with it where I was rapping and playing the blues, I was kind of trying. 
you know, if I play a little bit loud, if I do something, you know. But now it's like, nah, just let that shit hang out. That's the blues. And giving yourself that permission and studying. I'm sorry, I'm talking so no, long no, about this do, one, but bet, yo, like studying the blues. And I just gotta say, big ups, my my motherfucking mentor, Samuel James, who's like a real living testament to our people and our people's culture and music and took it upon himself to learn hundreds of our songs and keep them alive. Here's a little story about one-eyed Katie. She's all woman, but not one bit lady. Oh, dog, just the walking like library of black culture that this man is and, and to learn from him and learn blues um, and country blues in particular from him and slide and how to play it our way. It's like making a beat. There's a million ways to play guitar and there's a million ways to even make one song and you can hear a song and play it back and it's different than how that cat played it and how that's the blues. Like the real, like shit's like, nah, dog, this the way you play it. And like shit that's counterintuitive, shit that hurts your hand, that physically makes you bleed and shit. You be like, what the fuck am I doing? And it's like, well, the cat who played this was a lifelong farmer, so his hands were a bit stronger than me. You either gonna get some or you gonna not play this shit. What's up? And you just like, <clears throat> you know, just like, it's good, man. And it's humbling in a way that I can accept at this point in my life. I'm humbled by, you know, our our history and our people and obviously all the great players. There's so many great uh, country blues players and now I'm tapped into and I'm just like, like thank these people for keeping our music to us and um you know because that's the root too it's the root of american music so you hear everything in blues and dog there's shit i'm playing and i'm like yo i feel like bum 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 like that type of thing that's a turnaround like there's so many little things like yo this is the blue oh crazy and yeah just really learning like this shit is in us and to bring that out and now when i'm rapping i feel even better, right? Because I know what I bring. So I don't really, okay, that's a great beat, but this is what I'm bringing. And I feel like that was something the Hellfire had. And really, you know, the LA cats are always tapped into that. Like, this is what I'm bringing. But for me, for a long time, I was bringing like a, a study or something. Like I was trying to bring this like knowledgeable shit. Head, head, yeah, yeah, front brain, yeah. yeah. Super front brain, and nowadays I'm not on that at all. I'm bringing just the shit that's like from my chest and just in me, and it's it's my rhythm and it's funky, it's weird, it's just that's my shit. And yeah, blues has really set me free on that. So with this record in particular, Five to the Eye with Stars, that's my first rap record since I say I'm a blues man. Like I could play a hundred different songs on the guitar, bro, that are over a hundred years old. You know what I mean? Like a blues man. Like this my first rap record when I could really do a whole set with no electricity at all. And even doing that, like going, bro, like right, learning to play this, going out in the woods. And like, I just did a show literally in the woods, like, and just playing acoustic. And it's like, bro, rap. I love rap my whole heart. People don't want to hear the acoustic rap show in the woods. They'd be like, no, <laughs> no, thank you. But the blues set, they like, oh shit. You know, that shit just connecting and you feel like the birds and animals are listening. They're like, well, shit, that shit sounded good. Like, <laughs> just, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a joy. And it feels like a lifelong study. And that's something that rap 
you know how it is, man. You like you say, every day with rap, you're like, am I gonna do this again? Am I gonna do this? <laughs> and with the blues, it's uh, it's just a lifelong study. And it's a culture-long study and a history-long study, and you get to be a conduit of all of that. You go to Blasio, tell all my boys. You go to Blasio, tell all my boys. The time I had in Illinois. And you know, like reclamation work, like where the blues is, culturally situated and even the shit you see with our music and rap and beats and alt rap and indie rap and who gets to play it and all type of shit racially and to see the blues and how that's already happened to that genre and how it's like you know there's hella trump people and pro right wing and anti-black people who love blues music and they're like oh that's american you know and you're just like yo the level of cognitive dissonance that surrounds that genre is so high and it's getting like that with rap if it isn't already there, well, you think, know? And so it's, probably, it's like... Yeah, it's probably really deep bet, into that Right. Now, and yeah. so, but to see like, oh, that's the genre where it started. And that's the genre where the predatory music practices begin. And all this shit happens. And just like, oh, shit. And like, even stage name shit. It's like Muddy Waters. And, you know, niggas giving themselves these names and these identities. And this transformation, this idea of... the the stage changing you and your destiny. And like, if you could just play this song the right way, you wouldn't ever have to be outside again like that. And you know, the pressure of that and the playing in that. And again, that's why that music exists. And then you have people who hate us, but will listen to that shit and be like, this is the greatest music in the world. And even that's part of the blues. And like, the old heads being like, man, that's always been the case. Like, white man won't talk to us, but he'll sit down the street and just listen and just like, oh, that's so fucked up. But that's also our power and our myth. And again, that's the weapon nowadays because, right, bro, like, we can't keep up with these million-dollar PR campaigns and all type of shit. But I can, I can guerrilla style it. I can be a myth, you know? And learning the blues for real, like, yo, for real, I'd be out on the street. A cat seen me the other day, works at the radio station here. I was just out on the street, 1 a.m. with my boy Willie Dustin. Shout out my dog, just playing the blues. He's like, hey, are you just playing the blues out here? I was like, yeah, dog. Had a little bottle, a little smoke. I'm just like, yeah, dog. He was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, yeah, bro, I live this shit. Like, this is my shit. So you mentioned stage names. And I've been thinking about yours, uh, you know, from, from Milo to Rap Forever to... Scallops Hotel to Crow Billiken. For you, what's the benefit of using different stage names for your creative endeavors versus having it all under one name? I want to be compared to MF Doom. That's my hero. And even like, you know, since he's passed, my desire to rap has definitely fallen just because that was a huge part of rapping for me. It was like, I'm going to rap so good, Doom going to hit me up one day. That's just like a goal, you know? And now it's like, damn, my hero gone. Let me try this blue shit. But, you know... For real though, I like all the different aliases for that reason. You gotta, you gotta be, if you're gonna talk about my work, like how can you, if it's not with an artist who also does some shit like that? And so it's like, I put myself like there, like I'm doing a lot of shit. Um, but it also helps me on the economic side, I think, be able to supply and demand more correctly to different parts of my audience. 
I can scale it. I can make them feel more appreciated. There's people now who only fuck with my acoustic blues shit. Like, do not want to hear that rapping. Don't like this blues shit, though. All day, every day. And so it's like, there it is for you. There's people who are like, yo, just make another beat tape. Maybe don't rap. Don't do nothing with your voice. Just the beat tape, please. That's for you. And it doesn't all have to be on the one name. And I know it just makes it easier for me yet economically. And I can maybe even exploit it more if I do it with the different I mean, names. You know, yeah, yeah. You know we, we, don't, we don't love our capitalism, but it is, it is part of us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I opened for myself on tour. Scallops Hotel opened for Milo. And I got two separate checks. Beautiful. If they had green rooms, which was green rooms, I was like, I was like, yo, this is Bouncing a different from one cast. green room to the other one. But you, not even, you know how it is, nigga. Now it's like, now my niggas got somewhere to be finally for the first time, and just like, you know what I mean? It's like now we got our hustle going, like we figured our shit out, and yeah, nah, yeah, it's necessary. Like sometimes you got to be like, yeah, it's a crew of me, <laughs> <laughs> like, the community of self. I love it. Um, so I've seen you perform blues before rap set on a few occasions and I'm of the age where I've seen I've been watching rappers for a long time I've watched rappers try to do different things for a long time and usually the success rate for people's fans following them to a different thing is very low but I've seen you pull it off like live when people when rooms full of people who weren't necessarily expecting that and I was curious just from your vantage point what do you think it is that makes it where they go with you there when on paper some people might say, oh, they're not going to fuck with that? I think the reason is because my primary goal as an artist has been to honor like the word and the poet and where it can go to the best of my ability. And as I've gotten older, that idea of what the poet is and the best of the ability, all that has changed. Know, but at the time in my life, any time in my life since I was 19 and doing this for a job, that's what my goal was. I was like, I think this is where rap could be or should be or what it could look like, this other thing. This is my idea of it. And so I think that people trust trust that that's what I'm on, even if it isn't obviously that. It's like, oh, okay, this exploration is in service of that. And there's people who, yeah, I mean, have been like, yo, I hated that blues shit. I played the blues up in Portland, Maine, and I was like, yeah, I might only play blues tonight. And this one dude was like, fuck that, I'm out! And he turned around and dipped. <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's kind of tight. Like, that's kind of dope. That's kind of dope. Appreciate your patronage, playboy. So, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't always work, but when it does, it's, it's cool. So I'm from Chicago. You're from Chicago, Maine, uh, you from all over the place. One one thing we both not from is L.A. And, you know, listening to this album, man, I hear so much of the influence, the continued influence, the evolution of L.A. underground rap. And, you know, like I said, I ain't from here. You ain't from here. But from your perspective, what is it about the LA underground style that's so gravitational? Like, what is it that pulls you to that? Because this is where the cats like me rap like me. And that's just what it is. I didn't decide that. I'm not from LA. I didn't get to, you know, I, was, I don't know. But that's just how it goes. In America, if you are like me, 
and you rap like this, then LA is important. It just is how it is. And I'm not, I don't want to live in LA, but I love LA and I love the music and I love all the OGs from there. And I try my best to be respectful and pay respect and big ups and everything. Yeah, obviously I love that style of rapping, but it also speaks to the way ideas travel. I don't know, it feels like in many ways because LA is LA and that there are people like that rapping there, it becomes the like gold standard, kind of de facto, like where else would you want to be doing that? Um, while there are still vibrant scenes in other cities full of people like us, but um, right, for whatever reason, the epicenter, and I didn't get to decide that, <laughs> is LA. So I just, I just fuck with LA. <laughs> I want to pick at some of the songs on this on this beautiful piece of work you're about to put out in the world. When does it come out again? November 4th. Very soon, very soon. On the song, Ours, we say the stars became ours. As we took to the sky and the skies became ours. As we took to the stars and the stars became ours. As we took to the sky and the sky became ours. As we took to the stars and the stars became ours. And the stars became ours. I'm going to take that literally, not literally in terms of the stars, but literally in terms of claiming space, you know. Did this happen already or are you claiming it for the future? I want to say both. I want to say ours was very much in my mind, that's like an infinite monetary booster. That's like, oh, you feeling down? Put this jam on. You know, like even for myself, like I've had that song for a minute in the tuck, and that's when I play it when I'm just like, all oh, these niggas don't know. I love that. I love, <laughs> you know, I love like that. the way them bells be jiggling. I'm just like, oh, we riding on them, dog. Like it just has this great energy to me and the rhymes and everything. I'm just like, man, this is, it's got this. Like I'm just ready. Like bring it, bring it, bring that shit my way. On an album, you say your problems are man made. What are your problems? <laughs> More than anything now, I'm a, you know, I've been a dad for a minute and I'm, I'm really into being a dad. And so it, it really bugs me that I don't own where I live. That's been like giving me like very deep anxiety, like, pro like just trouble. Like I just have trouble processing my life right now because I don't own where I live. Like, I love my job. I love what I do. Everything gets paid. Everything works. But I don't, like, I could just get kicked out. And in the pandemic, that did happen, actually, at the last place I lived. Right? Just, they just gave me a 30-day notice because they were selling the house. And, like, yeah, I think I got traumatized by that shit, my boy. Like, And I'm just, like, now I'm hell annoyed that I don't own where I live. And so every album, everything I'm doing, I'm just like, bro, I just am going to press this till I can own where I fucking live. Like, I'm just going so hard and, you know, fucking with pricings and doing shit. And it's like, I don't even fuck you if I piss you off. Like, bro, I, I don't own where I live. Like, I'm a dad. I do this shit. I put everything on art. I'm not asking for anything that, like, everyone else don't have. I just want to own where I live. Like, and I don't need anything crazy, you know? You know, we talk about the anxiety that comes from doing this for a living, and I think you just put your finger on like a real central one. We get weird chunks of money at, at weird times, and, you know, it can be sometimes really bountiful, but there is this, the echelon of being, of, of home ownership is like something that feels like apart from me, you know? 
it's fucking me up, bro, because it's like, I am a successful rapper. I've been in every publication you can imagine. I tour, it shows sell out, ba 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 ba. It's like, yeah, so why can't I own where I live? Like, I feel like at, that's a very good counter argument that fucks with me of why I shouldn't be a rapper. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's like, I'm not, you know, because I'm a parent, I'm like, it weighs on me. Like, right. before it's I'm not like, just oh, for dude. you. Like, yeah. Right, G. Like before, it's like rapping is the best thing I could do to make money. And nowadays, I'm like, but rapping don't get me a house I own. So, what's really the best way to get money? Yeah, again, I just try to route my mind. I'm still in this zone where I'm like, man, I'm at, I'm at a place. I'm still at the beginning. So just double down, triple down, make more albums, tour more. Let's go. Like I just planned out my next year's tour schedule. I'm like, you know what? If I got the time and the means, I might as well do it. Yeah, just try to buy me a little cut of land, dog, and start tilling some shit, growing some shit. I'm I'm t I'm sitting here telling you I feel that deeply, but I feel it in a way that words can't even describe. Like that's that's a that's a real real feeling, a real sentiment, a real anxiety that sometimes gets close to a dread. You know, like I like where I live right now too, and like. You know, I do everything I can to make it my own, but I still know in the back of my head it ain't mine. You know what I'm saying? It's like, ugh. <laughs> like, Take it, bro. And they'd never done me like that before. And then this night, it was crazy. I had rented directly from the owner, had a personal relationship, great rapport. And then she just gave me this 30-day note, so I'm selling the house. Sorry, dog. And I was like, yeah, I got a little boy, and it's the pandemic, and like, how am I gonna find a place? I'm a rapper, like, I need time to get a new spot, cause I gotta really get my, I gotta drop a mixtape today. I got, I need money in the bank account now, like, you know, <laughs> right. like it was like I thought I had a month, you like need first oh, month, no. last month, now, like, yeah. I don't have pay stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have to show shit, so I have to be. Oh no, oh lord, and so yeah, that really fucked me up, and you know now. Again, just even how you shape your business, shit can work for 10 years and an event like that can happen and make you rewire and reroute shit that's been deeply ingrained, so. That's beautiful. Um, I mean, beautiful in how vulnerable and relatable it is. And it, and it gets to the next thing I wanted to check in on, mythicizer instinct. You said there's some days you only see your son on FaceTime. I simply stay in tune. My thoughts are walking baseline. There are days I only get to see my son on FaceTime. Man-made monsoon, roller coaster typhoon. I believe I'll dust my broom as the blues echo. Every time I hear that song, like that line slaps me like right in the face. Because it's so stark of a truth and it's so like overtly and directly like a painful thing to say. And it just made me curious on if you have a way of thinking about how much direct pain, like how much of your pain should you make clear in your music? Like, is that something that you're conscious of? Definitely. And I think the answer is very little. Uh, as a general operating policy, I put very little. But that song and the placement of it and everything is kind of like, yeah, man, you zoomed right in on it major inner dark chamber of that whole album is dealing with that kind of reality. And, and so in that song, it operates as, as a, you know, you're hearing somebody operate high level word wizardry and it's like, oh, this is all novel and fun. And it's like, oh yeah, but don't forget, like I'm a real person and my life is crazy too, dog. <laughs> like, and here I am, I'm just doing this shit. And, I, and something that, like, I just miss so much about Doom, and I, I don't feel a lot of rappers really. Not, you acknowledge it so much. That's why I love your shit so much, bro. It's just like, 
it's like just the inherent absurdity of like, yes, I'm, I'm intelligent, I'm in this body, I'm doing this thing at this time, shit is all this stuff. But there's something kind of absurd about just making these words rhyme. And, and to acknowledge that and use that, and it's very healing. And I just feel so few people do that in their music. You got a line that says, you fucking the text man for text. <laughs> ah, yeah, that one killed it. And I just want you to just say more about that. Just say more. Just say more. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that was just some funny shit that was on the internet. <laughs> and uh, it made me die laughing. It was like something about, oh, I can't believe you fucking the weed man for weed. And, and the response is like, oh, you fucking the text man for text. And that's how I feel, you know, how I defend myself in a lot of ways. You know, it's just like, whatever. Yeah, I'm rapping for a living. You doing whatever the fuck, fucking fuck text you, man. Right? <laughs> fucking the text man for text. Like, that just became like a phrase in my life. Uh, and, okay. and now it's just in my raps. But like, yeah, you fucking the text man for text. <laughs> that's like, you can't really say shit to me. That's why, I, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about your flow on Boot Knife, man. Like... You really, you really was coming from an angle on that one. And I wanted to know just what, what informed that approach for you. I'm not sure. Yeah, I was pretty in a zone, dog. Like, Kev and I have a great rapport, and that's just, you know, big bro supreme. And especially in this experience, I wanted to be in a process. You know, we're independent artists. I've made every album I've ever put out. I've done every, like, every vision, all me. Like, I had all these ideas. And even this record, it's a lot of that. But for the first time, I'm sitting with Kev and um, Danielle, too. And just, like, hearing beats and ideas and doing shit. And we in the studio. And, you know, and so that song in particular, I was just feeling it. And, like, when the mic is so dope. And, you know, again, you have someone like Kev recording you. And you're just like, I, I want to do something ill. Like, I want to walk out of here and have my man be like, yo, that shit was dope. Like, what the fuck? So you just start thinking, how could I freak it? How could I, you know? And that was one of them. Nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing like, maybe this album, too, is the first time I did, like, couple takes for some shit. Or like, you know what I mean? Like, feeling flows out. Be like, oh, I could attack it this way, which is, I know some L.A. shit. And just, like... Again, I'm in the studio. I'm not at home. Like, I don't know. For some reason, when I record myself, I'm like, I got a one take this motherfucker. Like, let's go. And still, these are all one takes. But like, again, my patience for myself is nil. It's like, <laughs> if I don't nail. You know, I'm like, I'm not a rapper if I can't do this right now with a bare ass mic, no compression, nothing. This shit needs to sound done or else I fucking suck. And, and you know, to be in a studio with someone who's already done all that, like, bro, I can perform. Like, oh, fuck, it's ready? Like, oh, let's go. And so that's what that album let me do, just perform. And again, bro, we've been on the road for years and over a decade. Like, I can perform. And I felt like that that studio, Cosmic Zoo, just lets you do that. Like, the way the room is set up and everything, I felt like I was in a Coen Brothers film. And I'm just kind of like, you know, this character. And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm Rap Ferrer. Who are you? <laughs> and there's no one in the room type shit. And, you know, I'm just like, mm, yeah. It's great. So I don't know, just experiment. Yeah, I recorded a uh, Brick Body in there, and that's that's the only album I've ever really recorded, like not in my home studio. But I know exactly what you mean. Like it really gives you this room to like, because it's so it's separated from everything. It's a big room, and nobody in there but you. Like, and it's like you can really inhabit your idea of yourself. 
in that room. You know what I'm saying? It's really yeah, something. Exactly. Exactly what it is. It's like you're you're right, being John Malkovich. Like you're in being yourself room. <laughs> and you just start being like, Yeah, I'm super me, nigga. Right. Like, yeah, when I was saying my, my you know, my body was big as a building, like I got to really think that while I was in that room in a way that I wouldn't be able to think it if I was in my closet. You know what I'm saying? I'm giant. Don't let nobody tell you nothing different. They lying. A giant in my body gives a building, a building, a building, a building. My other name is 39. So you about to drop this album, man. It's 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 a it's a killer. And um this year has been a lot of good things that have come out. And and you know as we wrap up I'm Curious how much you pay attention to what's going on out there, you know, in, in rap land. I love rap music, first and foremost. Yeah, I love rap music. So I listen to everything just as a student and a fan. And it's been a great year for rap, a bunch of great albums. Um, and anytime it's one of those years because I love rap and I'm a student, I tend to get inspired and make an album. Because it's like, oh, man, niggas is fine, popping off. Like, okay, I got some shit, and I run the label. So what's up? Here's mine. Like, <laughs> well, I ain't got to wait on nobody. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Niggas like, I'm, Me too. Like, Damn. <laughs> I'm in this motherfucker. So, yeah, I just felt like, man, it's a great rapping year. And I took a week, I think, yeah, a week, and flew out to L.A. in May and just banged that thing out. And, um, yeah, dropped it in November. And that's like the real lifetime frame on the album. To me, at least. Love you as always, brother. Um, appreciate your time. I appreciate that, um, you know, the other week I could call you picking your brain on some shit because, you know, like you, we definitely we definitely all at the table now and, and you know, it's going to be times I'm going to have to lean on you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, and I, I, I appreciate your um, your willingness to share your insight with me always. Appreciate you. Stony Island Audio.